Hello, my name is Sarah Hami, I'm a performance artist. And my name is Lukas Raki, also a performance artist. And we are here in Estre Nord's atelier in Nürnberg. Uh, in this space, we, in the month of June 2019, we arranged a performance continuum with a performance every night of the month of June to mark that uh, this cultural venue is still alive despite the gentrification in the backyard. And there was a, originally it was a residency I had here in Astronauts actually, where I was supposed to research um, for a project about uh, trash. But we were told that as part of gentrification of this uh, backyard, that uh, some of the backyard would be torn down in the month of June. So, literally, the place would be killed, you can say. Mm. <laughs> the million, the, the ambience uh, would, would be killed. Mm -hmm. So we decided to, um, to give life to the place with some live art. And we decided to do a performance, invite. 30 people to do a performance here every night yeah. in the month of June. And um, yeah. mm -hmm. for the short presentation, what more should we, should we say? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I can just say that like, um, I often work as a performer for other people, but in this case, like I was wondering what to do with Maria, and then I approached Sarah. And then, um, you talked about this residency that you had, and then I think we kind of together in like a ping pong thing, like okay, come on, like we played around, and then we thought that's no, too ambitious, going to take too much of our energy and, and time, most notably like thirty days every evening, and then, but eventually we said, okay, come on, let's do it anyways. Um, yeah, and I think during the process we discussed a, a topic for me. I think a lot was curating, like who do we give. A space to show their work and what are the criteria and then I think uh, you, you said yesterday like your criteria were like actually whoever we knew and we think they would like to contribute because mm -hmm. 30 evenings is a lot to fill <laughs> really a lot but eventually like, it, it really went uh, quickly and I think I remember two people uh, saying I'm not gonna make it after all but mostly actually like the amount of people that were willing to contribute was, was huge. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a big process. Like in April and May to really gather a group of yeah. people and then go for it. Yeah. Mm. And kind of the, the motivation, the particular motivation for our for former colleagues to participate was that the fact that this is a, one of the very few venues we have in Copenhagen. We actually, when you think about it, it's a relatively big city, but we have very, very few uh, venues. Well, maybe Warehouse 9 is, um, is the longest standing performance venue we have in Copenhagen mm. right now. So we have a very little history. Mm. We really have a very little tendency to sort of cherish uh, the history of these uh, performance spaces. And as the North actually has uh, existed uh, as an art venue since 2009-10. And it used to be the atelier of um, one of Denmark's really first professional one of the first professional female artists. Mm. So it's also, and it has been discovered by, by a group of artists and took the place on and started to preserve it and open it to, to the public. So it's also a kind of, a, it's also a kind of a historical testament mm. of someone who was, who was working here against the odds, who was working sort of against the norms of 
what an artist is and how uh, how this person sustains um, sustains themselves. So we were motivating our colleagues to say, hey, we actually have a we have a, a venue that we we would really like to keep, but we also have a history that we would like to keep. We would like to sort of keep telling the history of someone who was working sort of yeah outside. Uh, outside the norms, and I think that really touched uh, touched most people, mm -hmm. and uh, and also the, the the idea of having somewhere that you can meet uh, was also why what took what brought people in. Mm -hmm. And the people who came to the to the thirty days of performance were, were they artists or also people from around here? Um, can you tell us a little bit more about people who were part of the whole thing, both audiences and artists involved? Mm. That was mixed. Mixed, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were sort of touching very different corners of the live art, performance, dance, theatre, visual art, milieu in Copenhagen. And, uh, and then we would attract uh, people walking by in the street. We had a sign. Uh, the street saying uh, performance tonight, free admission. You know the very lovely old-fashioned way this show tonight, isn't that great? It's for free, there's something happening. Mm -hmm. Really plain, I mean that's, uh, that was nice and then people would probably come and see something extremely strange, extremely yeah. interesting <laughs> and very, very nerdy, but it would, it would be the show of, uh, of the evening. Yeah. So, and then there's uh, and then there's also a crowd belonging to to this place from like other generations. So it's really like it was also a very intergenerational project, and we were, yeah. we were very aware that we really wanted to invite some older generations, mm -hmm. and we were also very happy to have like older generations in in the audience. Mm -hmm. And we had some of the performances took place outside in the street, so we were also kind of I mean. It was performance and dance, but it was also street theatre in a, I mean, in a, in a lovely way. And since you've been living and working in Copenhagen, and how have you seen the city and the ability for artists to live and make work here change? Maybe I start, and then yeah. you have much more to say mm -hmm. because it's any longer. Yeah. So then you add on everything I do yeah. know. But um, mm, I think one concrete example for me would be uh, Dance Helena, which means like the dance halls, uh, which is the venue for contemporary dancing. Maybe a bit of performance too here in, in Copenhagen, and uh, they had to close down their studios and stage a couple of years ago because they got kicked out of the building that or their contract expired and wasn't prolonged anymore and now they will have another I think they'll reopen next year in fall but there has been like a gap of I think two or three maybe even four years where they didn't uh, couldn't provide people with studios to do their rehearsals to do um, classes and they had to kind of make deals uh, with many other venues which is I guess great for them like that they had to reach out and spread out, but also it's, it's been, I think, a little problematic that there's no real place for, for people working with contemporary dance to, to go to, and um, that this hasn't been really like, uh, I don't know, I think they, they couldn't really uh, make up for it, and there hasn't been very much uh, support for, for, from, from the government side, from the culture funds to, to make up for that. I think that's a real pity. 
for instance. Also, I think uh, at least in the field of dance, people are encouraged to like self-produce, like do everything themselves and find uh, co-production places. But yet again, there are not many places that you can go to for co-production and for being supported. And especially in the, in, in the rest of Denmark, smaller places where there's like not so much uh, of, a, of a scene, maybe not so much of an understanding or for, for, for contemporary dance and these kind of things. So I think it's a little problematic, the um, clash between the expectations from like uh, funds and uh, maybe government and, and what is actually there, what is accessible for people. So, but then on the other side, it's, it's great because it brings us to venues like this one um, and brings life to the smaller places again because you have to be a little bit more inventive. Yeah. What happened yeah. before that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's everything's become more expensive, you know. Yeah. That's that's, that's, a, that's huh? a, the kind of the the, the basic, you know. It becomes more difficult to rent um, a studio, more difficult to to rent a home, mm. you know, to find someone to do it. I think that's a, yeah, a fundamental mm -hmm. increasing difficulty. Um, there's a lot of conversations around um, gentrification in a lot of working class neighbourhoods around the world. And the situation here in this neighbourhood, particularly due to it being an area of predominantly non-white and Muslim inhabitants hits a specifically poignant point as more and more of it becomes associated with mostly white artist and bohemian crowd. How does the work you've been doing with this atelier respond to this, if at all? I'm very inspired by what you said uh, about his thought about gentrification with Warehouse Night, that they're working strategically with gentrification, and that's this, that is going beyond the idea that gentrification is nature. That is something that inevitably will happen, and always will happen, and that everything will be wiped out to say, okay, really, really, it's important to to maintain uh, public places within the new uh, expensive um, flats. But you also need you need milieus, you know. I mean, the bigger. The bigger the accessible mediums, of course, but I think back to to like working conditions for artists is if the prices is it possible to for people of like any background and any class to get a home close to the center, and if it is, it's, everything's possible. But if it's not, then it becomes more and more difficult, and then you have to be very strategic with the with the open uh, with the the open spaces. Mm. Yeah. And maybe um, referring to what you said about like a, a certain like white crowd coming to the neighborhoods through gentrification, I, I feel like this is maybe partly what also already happened through our Studio uh, Leone, the place to life, the thing we did in June. That yeah, maybe it's already uh, bringing people. I don't know that are, that are already like more open-minded, more arts interested to it, like our friends, our network. Um, but I think I've always been like, very proud of the times when we did manage to bring a couple, uh, a small group of people in that, that uh, would, would maybe classically uh, originally not come to a venue like this, like 
think we mentioned it before, these people that we caught from the street and they were lingering around that sign that's standing over there and saying like yeah. free performance, 8 o'clock and if they only spend 10 seconds there we would go and yeah. catch them or try to catch them. But that's, um, that's the importance of proximity because you know if you're, if you're close by there's a chance you might get in and mm -hmm. if it's a public place you get in, mm -hmm. if it's not a public place you might not get in. Mm -hmm. So we had like every night at eight o'clock uh, the audience started to arrive and we, we did a speech, the same speech every night mm -hmm. where we sort of explained the frame that we mainly that we wanted to highlight that this was a historic place for preservation like telling the story about Esther North but also that this place is public. It's not surrendering to like private expensive housing, it's a public place with everything that a public place contains and that's a possibility for people to meet from different places, you know, and you can enter without having to pay, to pay, you know, for expensive food, expensive rent, expensive drinks, expensive shoes, you can, you can get in, um, so like, yeah, just as, you know, the, I think it was the idea of like meeting place, how do you, how do you construct a, a meeting place, also a meeting place across time, you know, it's possible to be in dialogue with like other, other realities, be in dialogue with other pasts, you know, and if you, if you just tear down, you lose that dialogue with, uh, with how else it could be, how could you be inspired from the past and, and, uh, and the other way around. Mm -hmm. I think also we, we are to just to do a little bit, like to do a, not, doesn't have to be a choke, it just be, you do a little bit, that's good, you know, and then just you, you keep that. It's also important to just do a little bit. <laughs> meeting or in terms of like, you're not getting all the neighbors, but you're getting three or two or one, yeah, even that's okay. already very fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I think I also want to add on to what you said about the free entrance, and like it's, it's for free, it's public, you come here, and I think uh, that's something I've been thinking, or we've been talking about also the thing that this was a no-budget project, <laughs> like nothing. Uh, only profit we made was in, in the bar, like I don't know, two crowns for each can of beer that we sold and then that kind of went back to that the artists of the evening would get a free beer or would uh, pay a friend uh, for, for borrowing his camera to us and getting a new battery, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of uh, odd but also extremely liberating to work like without any any money in that, like not a small bit of funding. Because I think like in, in Denmark it, it is it is possible to get funding for your projects in general if you plan well ahead, if you have built a reputation. But um, I mean this one would have needed a huge budget if it had been like uh, would have been proper to pay 30 evenings. And some evenings we even had uh, two different artists show something because there were eventually so many people that wanted to contribute. And it, at least for my, my own feeling, it gave a lot of lightness to be like, um, I can ask people, hey, do you want to contribute to this thing? Because it's about uh, the mission or something, or about the, the purpose of the whole thing, of bringing attention to something that we feel is not right. Um, and to say, like, I'm not getting paid, you're not getting paid, it's, it's about the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that actually opened a lot of doors, uh, that there wasn't any money involved. It was quite liberating, even though it was a lot of hours of free labor <laughs> eventually. Yeah. But uh, that, yeah, it, it also felt more meaningful yeah. rather than it, checking it, what do, do, what pay did I get out of that one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's extremely double the thing with the money because, of course, you don't want to give the signal that we don't need the arts council. Mm. But then, at the same time, we have all these people who are not 
be who they are if there wasn't the, the funding and if there mm. wasn't the, mm. the institution, the schools and mm. so that's of course that's of course a pain. Yeah. A pain throughout the whole project. But then at the same time it's also feel that you can together you can work on something. Yeah. And it's like that, that we don't always need the art council to do that. Like yeah. I think like in a country where it's uh, like accessible to get funding at least if you insist many years then can also be this automatism of waiting for the funding and then only yeah. then get started. Um, and I think that also takes away some urgency from, from the work that you're doing. And I think you also said that many times that when you do projects for free, you always get something else out of it that is not the money, but that might fuel for many other things, for the next projects, for inspiration, for, for the urgency in, in your own work, uh, these kind of things. Mm -hmm. So yeah. pay comes in a different way. They're all yeah. kinds of currencies. It was exhausting. Yeah. It was very exhausting. And I wouldn't be able to do that all year long. No, we wouldn't, but, but we, we spoke a lot about um, frames. And it was nice that it, we can't go anywhere else. You know, we have this wall, it's only 32 square meters. This is the, it's just like it will remain. We're not sort of, uh, I mean, really, the sky is the limit in a way here because that's, it's nice just to. To know will never grow ahead of us in that way, in the physical and, way. And the month is the limit, right? We said these 30 days, yeah. and that's full on, but then also that's the whole point. It's yeah. gone the, when July starts. That yeah. was good. Yeah, and there are other low expectations with um, people performing. Like, we're not, we can produce only so little. I mean, we have listeners, techniques. We can maybe get you a PA if we're lucky, you know? Mm. That kind of, mm. kind of style. Which I think also brought back to some like, I don't know, essence or something. I feel like many things were a little like uh, reduced, which was very nice. You have this tiny space that you're super close to the audience as an artist, performer. And I don't know, it brings you back to this like very standard situation. I, I prepare something, I bring it here, I show it to people, yeah. and then, like yeah. not too much other stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was also nice to work with performance and live art in the sense that you're not, we're not curating a festival with a theme. You don't have to all be ants, or it doesn't have to be about uh, nature, you know? Civilization. <laughs> 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 no, you, you can just like, let, let's just bring on your, your projects. It was just nice to see what, mm -hmm. and then be instrumental about what this art form can do. It can do something with the audience, it can do something with the place, and it, I mean, and they're doing something with themselves, and we want to see that. So we. Yeah, and also like, as you were saying, it's really not good to romanticize not being funded, but it gives you another sort of freedom, like the work is just yours, there's no funders being like looking at your work or demanding certain things out of mm -hmm. it because they're yeah. supporting it and you can just yeah. kind of experiment with your own practice yeah. and do things that maybe you wouldn't have done if yeah. you were funded or if yeah. you had like more specific structures. Definitely. We have a funding system that's very like project based. I guess you have the same in the UK. Yeah. You don't fund uh, I mean the practice, the ongoing practice in the same way. There's there's a funding that you can get that's like for four years that you yeah. get supported mm -hmm. for, for that. Yes. But that's yes. to get like an organization. Yeah. For, like, a big high organization high or company. Yeah. It's not yeah. for individual yeah. artists. It's, it's the really same. Really. Yeah. You have to have a company and it can't just be you. It's not for individual oh, artists. Yeah. No, this is for like, it's called the National Portfolio Organization. Okay, 
So, nice. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can get it as an individual artist if you've worked your way up to being a company. No, depending on with a company, you need to have a structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to have, like, it can't just be one person. You need to have sort of an administrative kind of group yeah, of supporting your work. But I mean, like, it can be just one person making the work. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Then there was something which was also very nice that it was, I feel we were trying to come with a suggestion to people's individuality, you know, to mm -hmm. say that everyone has their own their bubble, part of a, you know, a larger bubble, part of a greater map. But how can we weave all those projects into a bigger project mm -hmm. to kind of to solve that problem so mm -hmm. people can really nerd and be themselves, but they're in a frame? I, I, think, we, I think we succeeded a little bit. Mm -hmm. With a suggestion for that, how can you find something in between where you're together but yourself? Mm. Also, sharing audiences, or like one evening's artist would be the next evening's audience. Uh, like, mm -hmm. so you would also get to see, think, like uh, you invited a couple of people from your network that are also like, uh, like older, like 40, 50, 60, sometimes like that. I recently graduated from school, like most people from my network are in their 20s or 30s, so I got to see people and their work that I've never encountered in these last six years in Copenhagen, which was mm -hmm. great because I just added beyond my attention. And now I know them, I know of them, and I know what, what they have to offer, and it was very nice. Mm -hmm. um, so, events like this, like the ones you organized, um, are actions in direct response to the commercialization. Of community spaces and projects have been in surge, not just here but in very different places across mm -hmm. Europe. Um, Queerland, for instance, itself, which is what brought us to Copenhagen, is also doing that work of countering or presenting an alternative to uh, Copenhagen Pride in that in that respect. Um, just as the uh, Nobel Pride is as well. Um, why do you think these events are needed, and what effect, from your experience or point of view? Either positive or negative effects. What, what, why are they needed, and what effect do you see them having? These events. I I was uh, thinking a lot about um, some, something that that's close to yourself, and something that's small, and something that's immediate, and something that is working with your own experiences in your daily life, because. In a way, the the conventional pride is the equivalent of, a, of Hollywood. In a way, it's, it's it's extremely far away, so you can't reflect or be reflexive with your own ongoing uh, experiences. So I think it's I think it's very important that people are get active in thinking and interpreting and um, and making something with a less expectancy of uh, of like of. Uh, grandiosity or perfectness, but really be more humble and it doesn't have to be this overwhelming overwhelming pure pleasure. It can also be just like uh, it, it's a generator for, for really talking about your experiences and your own social experiences. Mm. I think that's what that's the importance, the great importance. Mm. Yeah. I would also say it actually brings back things to where they started. Right? Like Pride, um, I'm not an expert on, on the Pride, but it seems like it, it's been going very, very big, very, very popular. And then again, you have like the Danish bank and you know, responsoring, and then 
Danish bank has had like huge financial scandals the last two years, like uh, money laundering in one of their sub companies, and they're just like they're hypocrites. Like they just go with whatever is is uh, and was trendy. Uh, will um, will promise them like a, a better reputation or something. But but the where that comes from, like private or like local initiatives or whatever kind, like they they come from a real urgency and. I guess it's nice to break it down and say, like, well, why did we initially do this and, and start again smaller, um, updating the values that are in it and um, maybe also just smaller scale things because then you actually do know each other, you can meet each other rather than when there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, we've, I wonder how many different people we've had throughout the month, maybe a hundred different people coming here as an audience, like maybe 20 or 30, they were always the same and then person here or there that was I new, but really? Yeah, yeah. But, I think but still it felt like a, a size we could actually meet each other. Yeah, yeah. And that was great. Yeah. yeah. But also I was thinking of the, the room of, like, I, I guess in the word pride means like I'm not like you expect and I am like I am, but I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the current point is more like, I totally accommodate to the expectations and I'm proud of it. So it's about to say, okay, I am in this way, you might not have heard about it before, or you might not have seen it before, and I'm very, very, very strange, and I'm proud of it. You know? I'm trying at least to is to show to you, you know, yeah. like, oh, we are, we're. so, uh, and that's, that's, of course, a little bit of a difficult field because it's things, it's things that you don't know. So it's just nice to have a safe, safe space where you also expect people to, in a way, be nerds and just, like, receive you. Just with receiving uh, each other and taking each other serious and, and be subtle, sort of scale down to be very subtle about, like, the small movements in a way you take each other serious. I think that's uh, the best approach to live art performance. I say, hey, this is actually like they are. That's how they are. Let's just be subtle about it. Let's just be very gentle. Mm-hmm. And then it's very nice to have a small space to say, hey, we go and, and we be gentle to someone. We see what they do. Uh, so just that attentiveness. Mm-hmm. That's that's, a pro- that's a, the kind of pride we were, <laughs> we were working with here. <laughs> Um, as artists working on themes such as gender politics and urban development, how do you view the claims that gentrifying certain areas makes them safer for women and members of the LGBTQI plus community? That sounds like absolute nonsense. <laughs> I've never heard that view before. It's so weird. Mm. Uh, we don't have this discussion. It's not a weird discussion I'm familiar with in the Copenhagen setting. But I could imagine, but it's absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's just rubbish. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense to anyone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Really, because also it's about a safe space, it's also a place where you, again, where you can, where you can live, in a way where you can pay rent. Yeah, where, where it's linked. What do you think? Also, like where it's not only the wealthy people. Uh, my thought was actually. Maybe, maybe that's the case, but also it's pushing out people out of the area that, that I don't know didn't have the chance to encounter diversity yet or, or some kind of diversity. So it's just, uh, I don't know, like pushing the, the issue away or something, then they get 
to be somewhere like 10 kilometers further out of the city where it's where they can still afford rent and then I don't know everybody gets to be very diverse uh, that can afford it in <laughs> part of the city like that's weird so I guess yeah. it's just a that wouldn't solve any problems. Um, just a final question. Do you consider yourselves um, activists as well as artists? And how so, if you do? I would say yes for myself. Like, um, what? That I'm uh, an artist as well, artist as well as an activist. Do you say activist? <laughs> I say activist. <laughs> that's that's what I am, an artist. Mm -hmm. Like n not all the time, of course, but like also I'm. I've been in, in projects before, like uh, where we, like as the performers, uh, like in a bigger exhibition and an exhibition I wasn't in, like spoke up against the working conditions. For instance, I think that's something I'm concerned with and thinking about, like what's the pay uh, for, for an artist and for their work and that there are many institutions in which the curators, the people working at the bar, everybody gets a regular salary but the people presenting their work and uh, contributing the content for the thing that is happening, they don't get a proper pay and I think that sucks. So yeah, I've been part of actions or negotiations where we try to better those situations. And then this, this is something new, like I think I haven't been working much with like urban development or gentrification of these questions. But yes, I also think that's important because it, it touches on everybody all the time. I'm a bit activist. I think it's a bit... Um, I prefer that you say it's an art project and then if people find activism in it, it's, they're so mm -hmm. welcome to create the activism. But I think it's uh, a little bit... Oh, it's a little bit like saying, so I'm good, you know, I'm very good, right? It's right what I'm doing if I'm an excellent. So it's easier to say, I'm really, I'm a very sort of, uh, very, uh, I have a lot of doubts and I'm very, very flawed and I don't know if it's right what I'm doing, but I'm trying something out and really come and create activism by being an audience. But but I think I prefer the, the art category also because I think also sometimes the, the activist notion and accommodates to your family asking, is there any use on what you're doing? Hey, are you earning money? Is it a value to society? So if you say, hey, I'm really not an activist, I'm just an artist, then you can refuse that and saying it has a meaning. It really has a meaning and you don't need to be you don't need to be an activist. But of course I sympathize, but it's also mm -hmm. I also feel extremely You don't like the label. I feel double about it because then people, it's a kind of a moral stand right from the beginning and then things are starting to get a little bit stiff, it's right, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, things are a little bit more alive if you say, I'm also super stupid, just like you, you know? But I think, like, I had, you know, <laughs> when, when I did like, what you categorize activist things, then I was also stupid and, I, know, and I made mistakes and I learned to maybe negotiate or like make something better next time, so. But it's so okay, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's really also nice to say it. it's just mm -hmm. a way of Yeah, but making a way it is a trendy label like activism. Mm -hmm. It's a trendy label and it's in between it's like it's in between idealism and then it's in between like also the very insecure status that the art has. Mm -hmm. I think that that's that's um, You're making like your position as an artist weaker by saying, yeah, I'm also an Yeah, just the whole idea of what art is in society, you know, it's just important to say artists, 
this is what it is. It's a, it's a way of, it's a very important way of, of being. And that would be activism in itself, right? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or not, just art. Yeah. Just art.